Welcome, everyone, into this new episode of the Iron Stream Podcast. I'm your host, Will Shingleton. And joining us on the show today, we have new Iron Stream author, Tina Yeager, who is the author of Beautiful Warrior. In addition to being an excellent writer, Tina is also a life coach, a speaker, and a personal counselor. In her new book, Beautiful Warrior is all about fighting doubt and insecurity and understanding what your worth in Christ actually means. Now let's get you right into it with our interview with Tina Yeager on the Einstein Podcast. Welcome into this episode of the Iron Stream Podcast. We are fortunate enough to have one of our esteemed authors on the show today, Ms. Tina Yeager. She is the author of Beautiful Warrior. Tina, how are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you today? I'm outstanding. So glad to finally get you on the show. I, first, I want to ask, though, just in getting ready for this interview and just kind of perusing some of the stuff that you've written, uh, nonfiction and fiction, I didn't realize that you were... Um, quite as much of a literary nerd as you are, which I mean that in, in the most complimentary way possible because I'm an English major. So yeah, just talk a little bit about the, the fiction writing to go along with what you've written for this. Yes, I embrace geeks of all kinds of literary genres. Fantastic. So <laughs> I'm happy to share that I love speculative fiction, which is so far from my nonfiction writing. People might think that it doesn't fit together, but actually, the themes are still very relevant. You'd be surprised at how many rich themes you can wrap in fiction. In fact, Christ did that very same thing. He was very relevant. He spoke in parables. He was a man of stories. And I believe that the most beautiful messages can be wrapped in fascinating and entertaining stories. So I also write urban fantasy and horror, which is really more of a spiritual warfare-based horror story. And I, I love to write uh, supernatural stories as well. And I also publish an online devotional by writers, for writers. So I love all kinds of writers. Yeah. So just kind of give me a little bit of a, a snapshot of what books do you like to read independently that kind of got you started towards wanting to write uh, mm-hmm. yeah, fantasy as well as um, what you've written for this book. I used to read all kinds of fantasy stories as a child. So I loved the swiftly tilting planet, a wrinkle in time, those kinds oh, of allegorical stories that C.S. Lewis wrote. Uh, but I also loved C.S. Lewis's nonfiction books. And surprisingly, most people wouldn't believe this. I read I read Mere Christianity when I was 13, which is not a normal kind of nonfiction read for a 13-year-old, but I love going deep. I love researching the truths, the theology behind what God has for us. So I, I even read the Bible and read Revelation with my father's commentary when I was a young teenager. I love seeking deep into the truth of God, and I also love reaching deep into truths that are hidden in fiction and the beautiful craft of story. Frank Peretti's novels always captivated me as well. I still love to read those kinds of things. Tosca Lee and Jim Rubard and Aaron Gansky are some of my authors that I love. 
Yeah, and so that helps answer this next question. So you are a writer, also a mental health counselor. Um, just kind of, and, and like you've described already, just kind of a book nerd. How did all of those things come to pass? How did you get started on this career path that is uh, eclectic in the best way? Well, I was always a writer. Even as a child, I was dabbling in stories, even playing in stories. So that was kind of always a part of who I am. But I also love the ideas of of healing and encouragement that we can deliver through our words as well. And I was told by someone at one point early in my adulthood that I would make a good counselor because I listen and I love to encourage people. So I followed that path and came back to story because I felt called by God to be a writer. I think those things go together more more fluidly than people might imagine. Stories can be very wonderful sources of engaging in conversation about healing and truth. There's also a lot of healing and truth in a story. So when I am working with people as a counselor, Often I'm using allegory and story to help people understand their path of healing and their faith journey better. And it seems to be something that works together on a regular basis. One feeds the other. Yeah. And another thing that I forgot to throw in there too is you do a lot of speaking uh, and and, uh, just coaching people through what you're talking about, counseling them. So how, and I'm always curious to people that make this transition because I, I think it's really interesting, people that speak versus people that write, and you're obviously not uncomfortable with doing both. Uh, was that a difficult thing for you to do, to get out in front of people? You've you've written your ideas down personally, which is a pretty intimate activity, and now you're out in front of people. Uh, what's the difference like there? I actually love speaking. Most writers don't, so yeah. I want to encourage those who are introverts that don't like it it's okay. God will make you able to do it. Because even those of us who are extroverts, if you're not a little bit nervous, you're not valuing your audience. So just use that nervous energy to fuel your drive and your will to do your best. However, I actually do thrive on the idea that I can love all of those people in the audience. I can bring an encouraging thing to each person out there that just energizes me because it's part of my gifting to be a storyteller in writing and to be a storyteller from the stage. So I I actually thrive on it. I enjoy it. It fills me up when I'm too long alone in my little office. I start to lose energy because I am slightly extroverted on the Myers-Briggs. I'm not super extroverted, but a little bit. So I need some of that. Yeah. And so you do a lot of interactive stuff, which I think it kind of feeds into that a little bit. Um, you're also a fellow podcaster, which a lot of people don't may or may not know. You've been on other people's and you have your own. Um, and I think that's really interesting because like you said, a lot of writers are very internal people. And even though they're expressing their ideas externally, like it's very much just an outpouring of their inner thought process. Um, so yeah, just tell me a little bit about, we'll, we'll get into Beautiful Warrior a little bit here. What was the process like leading you to and I always ask people this because I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole process. What got you to the point where you're like, I need to write an entire book about this topic? As a counselor, I found women coming into my office over and over again, expressing a low self-worth, a lack of a sense of purpose, 
not understanding their potential and their esteem. And it was something that I personally struggled with so much. And I, and I wanted to reach more women than I can reach in my office or from the stage or from any personal platform. And the only way to do that is through the vehicle of a book. Yet it was very, very difficult to write such a personal story. I needed help with editing. I needed help with all kinds of things because editing when something is right at the end of your nose is extremely difficult and challenging. Yeah. So just kind of take me through that process. I mean, what, why was editing and getting the book produced, I guess, is, is what you're getting at here. Why was that such a challenge for you and who helped you and, and how did that help get you to the point where you're putting out a book? Well, first of all, I had written some of the material already, but I thought it was horrible because it was so personal. It was just pulling all of this. It wasn't just clinical. It wasn't just a story. Some of it was story craft in the way that I write the story and the way that I converse about my life and the things that I've gone through. Some of it's clinical. Some of it are, is tips and practical ideas to help you get through. If it was only those two things, that would be fine. That would be just like everything else that I'd written before. That would be super easy. But when you're writing stuff that's about you, it's very, very hard to be up close to that. And when you're talking about your process of having low self-esteem, it's, it triggers all of this stuff of self-criticism while you're writing and while you're trying to edit. So I asked Eva Marie Everson, which is also a writer with New Hope Publishers, to help me with the editing process so that she could be objective with it. And she assured me it wasn't as horrible and worthless as I thought it was. I almost thought maybe I, I wouldn't publish this book, in fact, because I was so frustrated with trying to do it myself. But I asked her, I, I said, you know, there's so many women that struggle with self-esteem. I really feel compelled to get this message out there. It's too important for me to give up on it. And I want to encourage other writers who are writing their own stories not to give up on a story they're called to write just because it's hard. Get someone to help you. So Eva helped me go through this process first. And then when I got it to New Hope, it was workable. So it wasn't as much of a mess as it was before I handed it off to Eva. And then Ramona, R Ramona Richards with New Hope is fabulous. She is a, an amazing editor and she made it even more beautiful. So she did a tremendous job. And I'm so grateful for all of the people who put their work and effort into making this message a vehicle that women can can metabolize, that they can find it delicious to read. It's beautiful to look at. They did such an amazing job. I'm so grateful. Yeah, and you, you mentioned this uh, a little bit in there. So in, in terms of target audience, who you had in mind when you were writing the book, we always ask how church groups, how Bible studies, whomever, how did you envision this book to be used within a church community context? Absolutely. I think it's a perfect place for people to get in a small group, a large group that's broken into small groups or in their book club to discuss this or even just with a friend over coffee to go through this. I think it's easier to deal with those personal issues in an authentic way if you're discussing it with other people. I think that's the best way to be healthy about looking at your journey to growing self-esteem and significance and seeking the truth about your identity in Christ. Yeah. So talk me through a little bit headspace wise. Tina sitting down to write Beautiful Warrior versus Tina sitting down to write something on her blog versus writing 
urban fantasy. What is the process like between all of the different types of writing that you've done? Because I don't think we've interviewed somebody who's had that sort of dexterity. So I'm very interested in this. What is the difference in mentality like between doing each one of those individual things? Some things are the same and some things are different. Obviously, you're still trying to work on making something a beautiful sentence so someone can gobble it up and find it delicious to read. So there's some of that poetic, that's where I come from, kind of a poetic lyricism that sort of starts that process. However, with a nonfiction book, what you're envisioning is that person out there that needs the message, the woman who is struggling with a sense of self-worth. Maybe she's had a past where she felt so shamed and so hurt and so beaten down that she just can't grasp how much God loves her and what she means or, or that she could possibly have potential and purpose in the kingdom of God. So thinking about that woman and how valuable she is and, and how much she breaks my heart and writing to her is part of that process for a nonfiction book or for a devotional, thinking about the person who is in need and my own struggle that I can share with her to give her hope. Then the fiction process, I'm thinking about immersing myself in a story and what those characters feel more than I'm thinking of an audience recipient. I have them in mind a little bit too, but all of those things often come when I'm in the middle of prayer. I can be meditating in, on scripture or in prayer, and suddenly these ideas will come to mind, and I'll need to kind of try to remember them and ask the Holy Spirit to bring them back to mind when I'm at my desk. But a lot of that comes from the Holy Spirit equipping us for the story, for the message in different vehicles. Hey guys, just wanted to take a second to remind you that Tina Yeager's book, Beautiful Warrior, is available wherever books are sold and on the IronStream website. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and other episodes of the IronStream podcast. Let's get you back into it with our interview with Tina Yeager. There is a certain inevitable quality of autobiography in pretty much anything that anybody writes ever, but especially you've talked about how personal this book was and like how much um you know you especially you mentioned in the the earlier stages how nervous you were about that level of personality to it how much of you and your story and you can answer this as as little or as much as you want to how much of you tina made it into this book and in, even in other stuff how how much do you put yourself into your work I try to think about my life as being what Paul said of his life. I want to be poured out like a drink offering. Mm -hmm. So throughout my life, if I held anything back and I don't mean oversharing, I don't need to share details that are not relevant or not necessary or not helpful. I would only pour out the things that I feel God is leading me to share that could potentially be a blessing to someone else. That could be an encouragement. If it's something I struggled with, if it's something I'm still struggling with, if I'm not honest with that, I'm missing an opportunity to benefit someone there. And God will show me which people are going to need to hear that story so they can be encouraged. And when it's not even necessary for me to share it. So I just need to stay tuned to the Holy Spirit to know how much to share when it's not oversharing, but to share everything. 
that God has asked me to share. Because if at the end of my life, I'm not poured out, I've missed an opportunity. I need to pour everything that could possibly be a fragrant blessing and offering to God out with all of my life and all of my heart and all of my speaking and all of my writing. Everything needs to be poured out that can possibly be helpful. Yeah, that's great. So is that something I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot in here is, first of all, just how much of a creative engine you have to be able to, um, like you said, pour all that stuff out in all these different areas. But also that, like you have said, like there was some stuttering out of the blocks a little bit, especially on this book that we're talking about today. Um, what I'm curious to know is for somebody who has written in all types of different areas, how did you start and like for the person out there that has all of these ideas or um, has something from their personal life that they want to fashion into a story, how would you advise them in terms of being able to convert that not only into um, a story structure, but into something that, like you said, that is appetizing for somebody to, to want to read? Well, first you just need to start rather than waiting for it to be perfect before you start. Start writing down the thoughts that you feel people need to know. And some people are plotters and some people are what I prefer than pantser is organic writers. I'm more of an organic writer, so it kind of just flows out in a big mess and I have to go back and edit it later. Other people may find that it's helpful if they plot it out and they can kind of structure what they're going to say. But either way, whatever you pour out, whatever you dump out, you're going to need to find critique partners and editors to help you craft that. And you need to go to writers conferences and workshops and develop and hone that craft until you have a beautiful project. No project starts out perfect. Nothing worth doing is easy. And most artists will tell you they've had to really put 10,000 hours into their craft before they become a master at it. So be willing to perfect the gifts that God has given you. Invest those talents, as the scripture tells us. Don't bury them. Don't expect to give it back exactly the way it was handed to you. Work on building it until it's the best it can possibly be. Put your efforts in alongside God's gifts and be willing to do the hard work. It is hard. It is hard to move past that process. It can take years before you get the message that you're meant to get out in a book form. Be prepared to persevere and be patient on God's process so that you come out with a good product, not a good enough product. Yeah, and and just listening to you talk through that, I think there's a very interesting parallel to be drawn between the life of a writer, the life of a creative in general, and the life of a Christian, someone who, you know, has that desire to commit, but maybe a fear of committing and understanding that there's going to be a lot of pushback and give and take and fashioning. So just kind of give me an idea of how has your relationship with the Lord developed and grown and just been changed through this whole process of, you know, bearing your soul to anybody who's going to read any of your stuff and just growing as a writer. Well, if I knew how hard it was going to be at the beginning, I might have balked a little bit more at the process. Um, but God didn't tell me how long it would take. He didn't tell me what it was going to take. But he just told me to step out of the boat. And I think we need to be obedient in the moment that God calls us just to step out of the boat. 
And there were times when he and I were kind of at words because I didn't understand how to persevere. I didn't have it in me to persevere at the very beginning. And he had to teach me and shape me and shape my character into one that developed perseverance, which, like I said, I didn't have at the beginning. I had to have him shape me into the person I needed to be as he was shaping the book into a product that he wanted it to be. So he equips those who are called. He doesn't call the equipped. This has been said before. It's not my own saying, but we need to be willing to trust God that he can make us able where we are not. And he's never going to call us into something that we're already able to do. He wants to be with us, helping us, discipling us, growing us in that process. Yeah. And, and through both of those processes, um, there's a, a great degree of vulnerability and I'm, I'm just imagining, especially as a young writer, putting stuff out into the world and, and having it be critiqued like that. I think that's um, most people who are put in that position. That's one of their biggest fears is judgment and somebody saying that their stuff isn't good enough. But that's at, at a certain level, that's a really important part of the process. It so how, how did you, especially early on or even, you know, moving forward, how did you learn to deal with that and not get so discouraged to the point that you quit? Well, I won't pretend that I wasn't discouraged because if none of us, if if I pretend I wasn't discouraged, that could be very discouraging for those who are. Mm -hmm. It was discouraging at the beginning. I kind of got thrown in the deep end. I went to a writer's retreat and we did the first page thing. And my first page was put up and everyone was hangry. It was the last one before all of the panel of judges went to lunch. So they got really snippy and silly and were making fun of it and asked if the writer would like to identify themselves. I was mortified. It was all I could do to get back to my room before I started bursting into tears. So I can tell you there were times when the rejection was extremely painful and I was discouraged. But the word courage, which is what it takes to persevere and move past those moments, comes from the Latin root heart. It is in our heart that we find the love of God that helps us get through that. And courage isn't the absence of fear. It's doing what God calls us to do, doing that right next thing that he is going to equip us to do, even when we're afraid, even when we don't think we have what it takes He was there with us in those moments of discouragement to strengthen us and help us take that next right step. So after I finished crying, we went for a walk together, but he didn't let me do that until after I'd finished crying because I said, okay, can we go? Can we get out of this? I don't want to keep sitting here on the floor crying. And he's like, I have a few more minutes to cry yet. And then we'll go for a walk. And we did. We went for a walk and he renewed my spirit. And he helped me stand back up again. And the rest of that retreat was fine. It actually ended with us laughing together with other writers who were discouraged. And I would also encourage people who were going through anything in their faith walk and their faith journey that's hard to get a community of fellowship around you, to keep you encouraged. Because we're not meant to go on this journey all by ourselves. We're not meant to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone, God said in Genesis. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm just terribly curious about this. One last question, and we'll get you out of here. So let's say somehow through some very unfortunate circumstance, Tina Yeager gets stranded on a desert island, and she can only bring three books. 
which three books are you bringing and why? Well, of course I would bring a Bible. That would have to be right, one yeah. of the three books that would be mm -hmm. essential. And the other one, I don't know what the other two would be. It would be so hard. I have so many books that I don't even have enough shelf space for all of them. It would be very hard for me to pick one. Uh, let's see. I might want to bring Jesus Calling. I really like that mm -hmm. devotional. And, ooh, another book. I don't know what else I would bring. I'm looking back at my bookshelf. It's yeah. so hard to decide what else I would bring. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank because um, it would be really hard for me to pick something else. Um, sorry. <laughs> okay. okay. I kind of put you on this It's spot. so hard. It's so hard to pick three books out of the thousands of books that I love so very dearly. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. And that's why I asked too, just because from one nerd to another, it, it, it's definitely, it's an emotional, it's like a personal decision, like picking your friends. Like it's, it's yeah. just not. Yeah. Like if you had five children, which two would you bring? Exactly. You answer that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll leave you on that. Okay. Thank you so much, Tina, for, coming on the show and giving us such great insight on writing and really looking forward to reading the book. I think it's going to be a tremendous resource. Do you have anything that you want to say to the people before we get you out of here? No, I just thank you so much, Will, for having me on here today. I appreciate you so much. And I really appreciate my Ironstream Media family. They have been fantastic. It's a good group. Thank you so much, Tina. Tina's book, Beautiful Warrior, is under the Iron Stream and New Hope label. We'll be out in wherever books are sold very soon. Looking forward to reading it and using it for Bible studies, using it for small groups, whatever. This is going to be a terrific resource, and we hope you and you guys enjoy it. And we'll be back next week for our next episode. Thank you so much for listening.